Can I ask you a question this morning? It's a very simple one, right? Do you know of anyone that says or does something that just doesn't make sense? How many of you have ever met someone that says or does something that just doesn't make sense? Let me give you an example of this, right? I have a family member. I'm not going to say which one it is, okay? But I have a family member that when we eat, okay, not in my home, but extended family, when we eat, right, this family member eats one food at a time. So, for example, if we have steak, potatoes, and green beans, this family member, who I love dearly, eats the green beans first, and then the potato, and then the steak, one food at a time. Why? Why does anyone do that? It makes no sense to me. All the food ends up in the same place as it is, right? How many of you have someone who does stuff like that, that just doesn't make sense? My dad was this way. My dad used to drive me insane. He did things that just didn't make any sense to me. For example, my dad had this philosophy. You will always use it later. So he never threw anything away unless it just was purely garbage, right? For example, he had a stack of magazines that after he passed we went through that had to have been 20 years old. And my dad's mantra was, well, I may want to read that someday. I may want to read that someday. It just never made any sense to me. Dad, just read it now. But to be fair, I do some things that don't make sense. As my lovely wife likes to occasionally point out to me, in a loving way, that during my sermons, right, I have this tendency to make up words on the spot that aren't even real words. They make sense to me, but they don't make sense to anyone else. So if you've ever heard Pastor Dave make up a word in a sermon just on the fly and you wonder, I have no idea what that means, just give me a thumbs up emoji or a hashtag emoji or a smiling face emoji in the chat stream because I will fully acknowledge there are things that I do in this life that don't make sense. And we can laugh about them. We can laugh at these moments that our family and friends have that don't make sense or we don't understand. But what happens when God does something that doesn't make sense? What happens when God says something that doesn't make sense? What do we do when in our world, God is not making sense and we can't understand him? So let me ask you a question and feel free to answer in the chat stream. Have you ever had a moment where God just didn't make sense? Where something that he said in scriptures left you scratching your head and say, God, that, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. Or maybe you're going through an experience and you're wondering, God, I don't understand you. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what's going on in this moment. If you've ever had that moment, you can just say, me too. That's me. And just put that in the chat stream. And you can share that later if you want. But, but I want you to think about these moments that we have with God where we just don't understand him. Or we don't understand what he is saying. Because this morning, we run into one of those moments. This morning, we run into one of those moments where God doesn't seem to make sense. Or at least, doesn't make sense from our limited human experience and mind. And I want to share that with you this morning. So if you've got your Bibles or your at-home worship guide, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7 this morning. And we're going to look at the gospel, and it's this teaching from the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to dive into just a little bit more that we've been all uh, going through. 
And in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to see a section where it seems like God's not making sense. See, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus began, Jesus, as he began his ministry, gave this message that really empowered his disciples to follow him. He told us that blessed are you in all these unique situations that when you are a disciple of Jesus, you are blessed. And then he gave us a calling, and that calling was to live as salt and life. And then as salt and life, he showed us how to live. He taught us how to pray, how to fast, how to give to the poor. He taught us what it means to live a life free of judgment. He showed us why we don't have to worry, and we don't have to be in bondage to money. He showed us how we can build a solid foundation upon Christ and Christ alone. And today what he does though, he does something that doesn't quite make sense when you compare it to human experience. So let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 7 and go to verse 7 with me. Here's what it says. It's such a familiar verse. You may even have it memorized. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, right? Everyone who asks will receive, and the one who seeks will find, and one who knocks, that door will be open. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open, right? These words at first glance just don't make sense, at least to me in my world. Why? Because I've had so many moments where I've asked, and guess what? I didn't receive. Maybe you didn't receive. Maybe you had moments where you were asking God for some very specific things, and you just didn't receive it. How about this? How many of you have sought something from the Lord, and you didn't find it? You didn't find what you were looking for. How many of you knocked, and the door just seems, instead of being open, closed one right after another? Let me give you an illustration of this. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. The first one was this. I remember a time, it's been a little while since I've done this, but I remember buying a lottery ticket, right? And I asked the Lord, just very simply, just one lottery ticket. I said, God, if you'll let me win the lottery, right? I'm asking you, let me win the lottery. I'll give 90% of this to the church. Granted, it was $500 million, but I'll give 90% of it, right? Okay. Did the Lord answer my prayer? No, I'm still in Alabama. I'm not traveling all around the world, right? No, I'm just kidding. I love Alabama. But you know what I mean, right? We have these moments where we ask and we don't seem to be given, right? Or how about this? I've been seeking for years the secret to losing weight while still eating whatever I want. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. How about you? How about you? How many of you have knocked on doors and instead of finding them open, they keep staying closed? If this is you, you can put that in the chat stream. But in all seriousness, and I really do want to be serious for just a moment, how many of us have had that moment where we've prayed, we've asked, we seek, we knocked, and something different happened than what we expected? We ask for relief from pain. And instead of relief from pain, the pain seemed to grow. We ask for healing for a loved one. And instead of healing for a loved one, they went on to be with Jesus. 
We ask for freedom from addiction, but instead of freedom, that addiction seemed to grow and get worse. We ask for a repair of a relationship, whether it be a friendship, a parenting relationship, a marriage. And instead of that marriage being repaired, that friendship being repaired, that relationship being repaired, it actually grew worse. We prayed for that new job. Instead, we're still in the one that we don't love to go to, that we don't want to wake up in the morning and go to. And we wonder, God, will there ever be anything different? We prayed for direction of life, and we seem more lost now than ever. How many of you have had that moment, right, where you've prayed, you've asked, you've seeked, you've knocked, but your experience seems to tell you something different than what Jesus tells you here in the moment? What is going on? Why doesn't this make sense, church? What's going on? Well, that's why you've got to keep reading. As my dear friend Dr. Jeff Gibbs says, keep your nose to your Bible. Keep reading. Look at verse 9. Here's what he says. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, right, know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What is Jesus doing? Jesus is asking a series of questions. And they expect an answer. He says, well, if you have a son, and your son comes to you and asks you for something to eat, are you going to give him a stone so that he starves? Or are you going to give him a piece of bread? And the answer is what? We know the answer, right? He's going to give him bread. Or if your son comes to you and asks you for a fish, will you give him a live serpent that will bite and kill him? No, you'll give him fish to eat. Well, what Jesus says is he's drawing a comparison. He said, even sinful human fathers, who sometimes can be the worst, right? Because parents make a lot of mistakes. Even those kind of parents give good gifts to their children. Therefore, why would we expect anything less from our Father in heaven? Why would we expect more from our Father in heaven who loves us and who is the giver of all good things, who provides for us house, home, food, child, shelter, and all that I have, who answers the prayer, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. That is the good God we serve. See, I believe that the reason this text doesn't make sense is real simple. There's two reasons it doesn't make sense. The first one is this. Because our sinful flesh distorts our prayers. Our sinful flesh distorts our prayers. James, the half-brother of Jesus, once said this in James chapter 4. He says, you know what our problem is in this life? Is we have desires and we don't have. So we murder or we get angry or we take what we want. We covet and we cannot obtain. So we fight and we quarrel. We don't have, James says, because we don't ask. But then when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motivation. That motivation is our sinful flesh that is craving something that God has not desired. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. See, what happens is our sinful flesh always does this. 
It hears the words, ask and it will be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open, and our sinful flesh runs with it. Oh, you want me to ask God? I'm going to ask. You want me to seek? I'll seek. You want me to knock? I'll knock. And I'll knock on everything that I want. And I'll ask for everything my heart desires. And I'll seek after everything that's unhealthy for me. That's what our sinful flesh will do. And we treat God, and you can give me an amen on this, right? Because I know I've done it and I bet you have too. We treat God like a cosmic vending machine. We treat God like he's just there to give us what we want. And that's not what a loving father does. I know, I'm a dad. When my little girl comes to me at 7.30 in the morning and asks for ice cream for breakfast, see, my sinfulness wants to give in. And it has. (laughs) But the loving dad would say, no baby, that's for later. But it's really hard. But we have a loving father who, 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 who looks beyond that. We have a loving father who doesn't act like a cosmic vending machine. Who doesn't say, look, you ask for this and that, and I'll just give it to you. The truth is, if I'm going to ask God for help, even for good things, because it's not just the sinful things we ask for. How many of us ask for good things in this world? We've asked for good things. Like, God, fix my marriage or fix my relationship with my child. But the problem is sometimes we ask God to fix things and we just want Him to wave a magic wand. We want Him just to to throw some fairy dust on top of us and boom, we wake up the next morning and everything is better. But that's not how it works. So you might have some problems and you ask God for help. What does God do? He gives you the strength and the courage, and the wisdom, and the resources, and the tools to walk into that. So you got to fix your marriage. He gives you books to read, conferences to go to, scriptures to pray, counselors to talk to. He gives you the courage to have those hard, tough conversations. You're struggling with money, right? What does he do? He gives you, he gives you wisdom of people who have, who have been broke and now they're not or know how to work with money and how to budget. And he gives us the ability to say no to ourselves. See, sometimes we treat prayer in a way that we just want God to fix it and make everything better. But that's not the way God works. What God does is he brings healing to give us strength to work on whatever it is the issue is. What God is going to do is give us strength and courage to go to work. Our sinful flesh always wants the easy way. And that's why this passage doesn't make sense. That's why these words of Jesus don't make sense. So once we acknowledge our sinful flesh, right? Once we acknowledge and let our sinful flesh get out of the way, then we can be realized, then we can begin to realize what this passage is really about. And here it is, number two. This passage is not about us. It's about the Father. It isn't about us asking and seeking and knocking. It's about the Father who is good. It's about the Father who wants you to believe that He cares about you. It's about the Father who wants to give you everything that is good and perfect for your life. It's the Father who wants you to be bold and confident in your prayers that He is listening to you and answering them according to His divine will and purpose. And that he will give you what is good for you. 
Maybe not what you want, maybe not exactly what you're asking for, maybe not exactly what you're seeking after, but he actually gives you what is best for you. See, this Palm Sunday, the truth is, Palm Sunday brings this all together. See, in Palm Sunday, it's the answer to every question and every prayer of what we ask and what we seek and what we knock for. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, the crowd morphed into a choir. They began to sing that beautiful rain refrain, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you're at home with me right now, I want you to join in those words. Just repeat after me. Hosanna, Hosanna. Go for it. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who comes in the name of the Lord. And one more time. Hosanna in the highest. You can hear the chants. You can hear the crowd roar. You can hear them celebrate Jesus. Blessed is he. That Hebrew word is more than a prayer. It's an exclamation. That word, Hosanna, it's the soul crying out to God. Save me, God. Rescue me, God. Deliver me, God. Every one of us needs to recognize today and every day that we need saving that comes from God. We need to be saved from our pride and our ego. We need to be saved from our destructive behaviors. We need to be saved from our impure and lustful thoughts. We need to be saved from our self-righteous attitudes. We need to be saved from our mistreatment of others in thought, word, and deed. We need to be saved from our greed. We need to be saved from our constant running after false gods and idols who produce false hopes and false dreams, false security, and false assurance. We need to be saved from those things. And we, most of all, need to be saved from ourselves. Our sinful flesh, our sinful lives. We need to be rescued And the beautiful thing that Matthew teaches us here, that when we ask, seek, knock, and find, you know who we find? You know who opens the door? You know who's there? It's Jesus. He is the ask. He is what we seek after. And He is what we find. Today and always. Have a blessed Palm Sunday, church. Let's pray. Lord, in the moments of our uncertainty, when things don't make sense, when your word doesn't make sense, when your actions don't make sense, may you drive us to seek you. May we ask for your clarity. May we knock on the door of wisdom and find Jesus, our Savior, our risen, crucified, risen Savior who died for his people, And as we believe in you and trust in you for all things, you make us new. And you let us sing. And you let us shout. And you let us praise your name as we say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And all of God's people all across the world said, Amen.